Well, good morning. You ever wonder why people suffer? Sometimes it's because of our own stupidity. I was reminded of this this past Friday. We went, uh, my wife Kim and I went to Wilmington to uh, take some stuff out of my son's dorm room because he's coming back in a week. And we did that rather quickly. And so when you're in Wilmington, what do you do when it's a halfway decent day? You go to the beach. And so we went to the beach and my fa- I was tired because I couldn't sleep the night before. So I got up around five o'clock and I was just doing a bunch of things. So I was tired. They proceeded to put suntan lotion on. And I just got on the blanket, put my uh, sunglasses on, and I was asleep like in three minutes. I was jolted awake because my son sprayed suntan lotion right on my chest. So I'm like, Nick. And then we had a great day. I'm riding home. With every minute that goes by, I'm like, why does my skin feel stretchy and it aches and... I start to look, and it's just getting more red and more red. And I can hardly turn the wheel without, like, damn, my back really kills. We got home. We got everything unloaded. I said, I got to see what's going on. I rip off my shirt. My back was the color of a lobster. And my front was red as well, except for the two little circles (laughs) that my son had sprayed suntan lotion. I had a picture queued up, but I figured that would, you wouldn't listen to me for the rest of the, the service. Sometimes people suffer because of their own stupidity. Uh, and so I wanted to see, am I the only one that's part of this club? Is it just me? Uh, no. Check out the picture of this guy. Look. Oh, yes. <laughs> Takes a few seconds. There's either two reactions to this. One is like, <laughs> the other one is like, oh, Um, And the classic one, this one right here. Yeah. He is suffering, and you know his friends are asking that question, why? What were you thinking? Well, that's the series we're in. Yep, stare at that longer. Glad it's not you. Um, But that question of why... That's what we've been looking at over the past few weeks, because it's the question that never goes away. And if you've had children, I've got two, and when they were young, the questions started early. Uh, They were easy to begin with. You know, why is the sky blue? And you tell them that, and they get another question. Yeah, but why is it gray sometimes? And why is it black at night? And I wish the questions kind of stayed that simple, don't you? Because they get a lot harder as we just kind of interact with our life. And so we've looked at questions like, God, why am I even here? It feels like I should have a purpose, but I'm not even sure what my purpose is. And if you would use me, why would you even think about using me, given everything I know about myself? And God, I'm talking to you, but it doesn't feel like you're answering back. And so I feel distant. These are questions that every one of us has felt and we've been talking about over the past few weeks. And so we're going to talk about another question today. And before we jump into that, I'm going to ask that the ushers come down and they give you Bibles because we seek God's wisdom as we look for answers to these questions. So we want to get a Bible in your hand. If you don't have one, you can keep it. It's a gift from the church to you. Or if you just need to borrow it, you can put it in the back on the way out. But today's question is one of the 
most challenging and toughest questions to be asked as a Christ follower, and it's this. Why do bad things happen? It's a very fair question, and sometimes it's really easy to look at stuff that's the equivalent of the guy with the chainsaw between his legs or the guy that never sprayed suntan lotion on himself. And you, you know the answer to that question, but I don't think we ask that why question in those cases. We ask the why question when we start to look around at our world and we see things like natural disasters. We see floods, we see fires, and we see like earthquakes that happened in Ecuador. We stood on the stage and we prayed right together at the end of the service for Ecuador because they experienced an earthquake. They experienced another one later on that week. And over 7,000 people were injured and 500 people killed. These were people that were going about their day-to-day doing what maybe they were worshiping, maybe they were in the middle of their job, and then they're gone. And we see that, and we try to reconcile our world and say, God, why does that happen? It doesn't seem like a loving God would allow that kind of thing to happen. We look at the evil in the world, and we see what happened in Brussels, We look at what happened in Paris and before that in California and pick a state all the way back to Sandy Hook. And before that, we see the evil and we say, God, do you see what's going on? Because if you do, do you even care? That question of why, it never goes away. And to be honest, I I think that we know that those things are bad that we just talked about. They bother us. But we tend to ask this question, why do bad things happen when it's dealing with me? God, why am I suffering? Why are those around me suffering? That's when we ask the question. I asked it many times. I just wrote down a a few. In 2000, I asked God, I've been a Christ follower for a long time. And I said, God, why would you allow me to be crippled by anxiety and fear? Why would you allow me to be gripped by OCD when I have two young kids and I have a wife who's staying at home full time? Why would you allow this to go on? I don't see any good that can come of this. And then not but a year and a half later, 10 days after my mom and dad celebrated their retirement and hundreds of people came together, I got a phone call from dad. They still lived in Massachusetts at the time. I remember where I got this phone call. If you live in North Raleigh, Fairbanks and Westgate Road. In the evening, I stood at the stop sign, phone rang. My father said, Robert, we've got bad news. Your sister has been diagnosed with a very bad form of cancer. And I drove away and I said, God, you are a terrible gift giver. For retirement, that's the worst gift you could give somebody. And then I I like the next question I asked, or I I told God, do you know, like he doesn't know the answer to what I'm about to say, do you know that my sister has a six-year-old and a two-year-old? Because she does. What happens if she dies? God, why? And she, she did. It was but six months later where she passed away, and I was like, God, I don't get this. 
And for me, my suffering pales in comparison to what I know some of you have been through. Some of you have had children go through a freak accident that has changed their life forever. Some of you have been sexually abused, physically abused, experienced huge financial loss, and sadly, you understand that bad things happen. That you don't have to really work real hard to understand that. And you ask the very same question that I do is why? And this question right here is one of the most pressing of our time. It's more pressing than science in the Bible. It's more pressing than miracles. The question of why do bad things happen, people suffer, and God allows it. It's important and it's a fair question and we have to work through it. Because one way or the other, we will respond to suffering. And our response can shape our view of God, what we think about God as we start to reconcile our world. And we end up, some of us going, God, if you're so loving and you are in control, then why does that go on right there? People have been asking this question since the beginning of time. But today we're going to answer it in 30 minutes. <laughs> right? You were going to get an answer until Donnie asked me to speak. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to have an answer. Uh, I've got some. But guess what? We are not the only ones who have asked this question. All you have to do is start to go through Scripture, and it's very easy to find people in the Bible that are asking why. I picked a few. Habakkuk, he's a minor prophet. All that means is we don't have much written from Habakkuk, the minor prophets. Matter of fact, as you flip in the Old Testament to it, you'll miss it. So I always go to table of contents, make sure I get the right page number. But Habakkuk was one of the prophets. In his world, there was famine going on. And what he saw was the righteous Jews being oppressed by the unrighteous Jews. And he's trying to reconcile that, and he talks to God. And here's, here's a little bit of his conversation. Habakkuk chapter 1. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. That's a question that Dave Milam answered, or you know, we reflected on a couple weeks ago. Why don't you answer my prayer? Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all of this misery? Whenever I look, I see destruction and violence, and I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. My world, God, is filled with people that are hurting because they're oppressing one another. They're suffering. Why? Another one, the psalmist in Psalm 73. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Thank God, here I am. I am trying to faithfully follow you. And they're getting ahead? They don't even want to have anything to do with you. They're getting ahead, and all I'm doing is suffering and going through bad things. Why is that happening? And so we easily see that people in the Bible, they suffered 
And they ask the same question that you and I do. Why? Why is that going on? And so we're going to look at some answers because the Bible does have some answers to suffering. But I got to tell you right up front that there will be some of the suffering that you and I go through that will remain a mystery, that it will be left unexplained. We don't like that, but it's the only thing that I can honestly say to you that sometimes there are cases where we don't know. That's what I got to share. But let's talk about some things we do know. Sometimes bad things happen because Jesus said it would be the case. Now, for some of you, you're going to tune out because you're maybe not a believer in Christ yet. And so this, I get it. Like this, this argument or this response doesn't, doesn't help at all or comfort. But Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So for those that follow Christ, we need to know that he said we will experience suffering. As followers, expect the suffering to happen. And so we need to believe the one that was once dead and who is now alive. We have to trust him in what he was saying, that we will experience suffering. His words are completely in line with Scripture. Go back to the beginning of God's story. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And you see that God created the world. God created everything. He created it good. Good means no loneliness, no pain, no crying, no suffering, no hate, nobody starving. That's the world that God created, and it was good. And then Adam and Eve came on the scene, and they sinned. Yes, they sinned. We can argue it. We can say, well, why do I have to pay for what they did? But to tell you the truth, I bring it back to me. I understand that I still choose wrong. I choose my way versus God's way. Sin is still in the world. And when it entered in, in Adam and Eve's time, when they sinned against God, the world became what it was not supposed to be. God created it good. But our sin and sin entering the world unfortunately causes things like catastrophes and horrible things and illness loneliness, and ultimately death become a reality in this kind of world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that's not what it was supposed to be. And the fact that we are even bothered by the fact that evil and suffering are here is a clue that we're in a world that God did not intend it to be. There's something different that he wants us to experience. And so we don't understand it, we don't like it, but it is true that the world is not as it is to be. God created a different world. Sometimes bad things happen because of my actions or the actions of others. We see that in Scripture. Another way to say this is sometimes I bring on the consequences that I'm going through that are causing the suffering, or maybe it's the actions of somebody else that have caused that. And Paul talks about this principle of consequences 
with respect to our actions. He was talking to Christ followers in Galatia. And he was talking about a very specific situation with like financial and, and giving, but the principle of consequences in our actions still holds uh, theologically with respect to our sin. He says this, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You always harvest what you plant. The community garden back here, lots of people are planting seeds. They're planting strawberries, right? Oh, no, let's see. What, what's something you're planting? Tomatoes? Yeah. Yes. Planting tomato seeds. But we plant the tomato seeds expecting tomatoes, not apples, right? Paul's saying, listen, there, there are consequences. What you sow, you're going to reap. He goes on. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. There are, there are consequences to our actions and the actions of others. There's kind of this organic um, consistency between the actions and the words that we sow and the fruit of our life that we experience. There's the consequences. We can't expect to choose to do stuff that's against God's will and expect life to be full and abundant. There can be consequences to our actions. And I say sometimes because not always is the suffering and the bad things that are going on can we point to like sin in our life. So hear me, I say sometimes. Because there are people in Jesus' day, right down John 9, um, disciples actually said, Jesus, why, did this, why is this blind man blind? Who sinned? Jesus' answer is tough, but it, I'm trying to get at it wasn't any, it doesn't have anything to do with the sin of this man. Because on to say is bring glory to God, and we hear that, and that's a whole nother sermon. Um, but we can look at the cross and see that somebody suffered for somebody else. But the consequence of our actions can lead to suffering. But see this. Just give you a couple examples. Um, Financial crisis. If you've been a leader in Financial Peace University, you know this. I've sat with people in a financial crisis. Why am I experiencing the suffering and all that goes on with this financial loss? More often than not, it is because you spent more than you had or somebody spent for you more than you had. Either way, it's the actions of you or somebody else that caused this suffering to go on. Talk to people in relationships that, are, that the relationship is strained and hurt or a friend has walked away and they're hurting. Why? Why? Because you chose to talk and act like this toward that person and they chose to leave. Your actions caused the consequence that you're feeling. And oh, by the way, the person who you hurt is looking in the actions of others are causing the suffering that they're going through. So sometimes the bad things that happen can happen because of our actions or the actions of others. Somebody is choosing what they want over what God would want. And there are consequences. So sometimes bad things happen because we live in a broken world. Sometimes bad things happen because of the actions of us or others. 
And in the remaining time, I could go over more. Like, we don't have time to go through, like, sometimes bad things happen because there's a spiritual war going on. And here in the West, we don't, we don't think this is real. But biblically, there is somebody spiritual who does not like that you would draw near to God. His name's Satan. And there's spiritual warfare to get you to move away from God. There's that whole thing. Some of the suffering that we're going through is because that's there. And then some, there, there are other answers. Sometimes God uses it to grow us. I don't like that answer. Sometimes it's the consequences of what we're going through. Um, but let's be honest. If I had a whiteboard up here and I spent whatever, however long, half a day, and we enumerated every source of suffering, would that be a treatment where you'd walk away healed and go, you know what? I understand why I was raped now. Oh, I understand why my husband walked out. I, oh, man, I feel good. No. If we're honest with us, there is no answer that I could give you that would make you feel better. And so I want to spend the time that we have left looking at what do we do in the midst of suffering? Because suffering is, we're going to go through it. What do we do with that? And what are some things we can take comfort in? Well, the first is this. Sometimes bad things happen, but God always works through them. Not sometimes. God sometimes. No, God always works through them. Paul, write down 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You want to read about suffering that somebody went through? Go read what Paul went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Despite all of that, he was able to say this. And we know that God causes everything to work together. I'm going to press pause. It doesn't say, and we know that God causes everything, including evil. No. God causes everything. He can work in the details, to work in the details of our life. How? For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, for them. You see, God can take the brokenness of our world and he can shape that and do something with it. We may cry out, God, do this or do that, but he chose to work within it, to make something valuable out of what we're going through. And this is a tough one, isn't it? Because when I'm suffering... I tend not to do this. I tend not to go, God, Dave Milan was here talking about it. God, what are you doing here? That's not my first reflexive response. My first is, God, get this out of my life. Get me out of the suffering, right? That tends to be where we go. But God wants to work through it. This, in my own walk with Christ, he tends to want to work through it but here's the catch. We have to allow him to do that work. And there's something about suffering that we all need to know, and I think we know this, that suffering demands a response. We're going to respond one way or the other to our suffering. And this is where I want us to spend time. I want us to, and maybe I'm okay with it not resolving, us resolving it, 
and we all feel better, like a 30-minute episode of something on Netflix, I'm okay with that. But I want us to leave here and say, how am I going to respond in the midst of my suffering? That's the question that I want us to wrestle with, because we do have a choice. We can choose to move away from God. That is one option. And I understand that. It's like we want to throw in the towel. But here is the problem. You know this. I know it from personal experience, is that you, you can't escape it. You do not heal. And this has been confirmed for me in people that I talk to when I sit in life's healing choices or I talk to the leaders. What they share is people get to the point where they say, I did everything. I wanted no, no part of God. And they found that their pain followed them. And only till they, they got to the point where they could get to the end of themselves and say, okay, God, what are you doing here? Did they start to heal? So yes, one, one of our choices is to have nothing to do with God. But I want to encourage us uh, to not choose that path because you'll end up tired, angry, hopeless, dark, frustrated. But instead, may we realize what others have realized, and it's this. I can endure suffering by trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. I opened by having us go to some people in the Bible, Habakkuk and the psalmist. I want to come back in to the very same breath where it looked like they were saying, I want nothing to do with God. Look like they're drawn away and moving away. And this, in the very same breath, they say this. Habakkuk. And right before this, Habakkuk says, despite the famine, despite that my pens are empty, despite that there's no crop, despite all of this that he was asking, why? He says this, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Very same breath. He's trusting. The psalmist, faced with all this bad stuff going on and he... But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. You see, they had a decision in their suffering of what they were going to do. And remember, this is the Old Testament. They don't have the end of the story like we do. Jesus had not come on the scene yet. They knew something that we need to know. I think King, King David knew it of the Old Testament really, really well. What, what made them be able to say that in the same breath? King David express, expressed it beautifully in Psalm 23. You don't have to believe in God to know Psalm 23. If you've been to a funeral or sat beside somebody in the hospital, you've heard the words of Psalm 73. The Lord gives me rest. He guides me. He leads me. But then the secret that David and the others knew, verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, even when suffering is going on in my life and I don't understand it, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me. You see, they were all comforted by the presence of God. They realize that this world, in this world, suffering is. They got that. 
but they chose to trust God. They knew that I do not go through suffering alone. God is always, not sometimes, God is always there. You and I have a choice as we sit in our suffering as to what we're going to do. We can run away or we can draw near. But do we trust that he can work through this, bring something valuable and good out of it? I've got to share with you that he, he did, in my case, and I've seen it in others' lives. In the darkness of depression, by God's grace and mercy, this does not happen for everyone. I was still able to work. And that was, for me, the year when I got the highest rating at IBM that I'd ever been. That did not compute. And I got strong enough to then sit with my sister and minister to her and to my family as we spent our last days with her. And it sounds so rosy as I say it, like, oh, yes. You know, it went this way. He even moved my mission field. He has us all on mission. Everybody's in different spots, insurance office. He had me in IT. That was my mission field. He moved it. Now I'm doing what I'm doing. He can shape it and bring good. But it was hard. I wanted to flee many times, and I had to trust God. You, you're working through this. So what did trusting mean for me? Trusting men, picking up that phone and saying, Hi, counselor. Uh, my name is Rob Perry, and I need help. When can I get an appointment? Trusting men, talking to some people and saying, It looks like everything's going on, uh, like everything's together here. But it's not. Can I tell you what's going on? I need help. Trusting meant that I then had to listen to wise people and start to take some steps to get healthy. I don't know what your situation is and what is bringing you pain, but what would it look like for you to trust that kind of response? What, what would it look like for you to trust in the middle of your pain? Maybe for you, it's sharing the story with somebody that they can love you and God can use them to help you get through what you're going through. Maybe for some of you, trusting means bringing up that idea of forgiving somebody. Don't confuse forgiving and reconciliation, but God's saying you need to forgive them. And he's been saying it for years. Maybe trusting is, God, I don't want to. I don't like the thought of that, but I'm going to start to do that. I'm going to take life's healing choices or talk to my small group about that and the path to forgiving somebody. Maybe for you trusting in the middle of your marriage, which is suffering and causing pain, you're like, I just want out that you say, God, I want that, but I've never brought you into this relationship. And what would it look like if I start to look at healing my relationship through you? And maybe some of you don't believe in God. And so this Maybe trust for you is for the first time in your life, even if you don't feel it or believe it yet, say, God, you know what? I don't believe in you, but I, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. Sometimes I do, but I don't believe in you yet. But I'm, let me share what's going on. And maybe you can do something about God, maybe not. If that's you and you talk to him, you probably know somebody that does know God, you can tell. Share what you just did with God, just to say, hey, I'm not sure I believe the whole thing, but I'm starting to talk to him. What 
would it look like to trust God in the middle of your suffering? Because this world isn't as it's supposed to be. But God understands suffering. He stepped into it. We read in John chapter 1, So the Word became human and made His home among us. I love the message translation. It reads this way. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. All right? He became one of us. For whatever reason, God chose not to wave a magic wand in the face of evil and make it go away. What he ended up doing was stepping into time as one of us into the drama of human history and absorbed all of that in him. And he, I say he stepped into suffering because we've got to understand, he chose to come into the world, not when life was rosy, but the Israelites were going through intense suffering through the Romans. Jesus knew that his presence meant suffering and ultimately death by the Romans, but yet he came to do that. He stepped into suffering. And it may not seem fair that bad things happen to good people and that we have to suffer, but here's the truth. Something bad only happened to somebody good one time in this world, and his name was Jesus, and he volunteered to do that. And every week at LifePoint, right, we, we take time through the communion, and we remember that sacrifice that seems so unjust when you think about it, that his body broken, his blood shed for our wrongs. We get his righteousness, and he takes on our wrongs. He pays that penalty. And he had a choice. Read in the garden. What was going through his mind? I don't know. But he had a choice, and he had to choose to believe that God the Father meant what he told Jesus to do and that he could bring good out of this. Jesus had to trust that, and he did, right? Because for those who believe in Christ, Jesus saw that without him, the world would eternally suffer because they're separated from God. A word outside, a, you know, a world, an eternity separated from God is in the worst suffering one could ever imagine. But Christ made a way for that not to be the case, that we could be in his presence. He saw that and he chose to suffer. He understands the sufferer. And so we look at the cross, we look at the communion elements, and that ought to tell us that whatever disturbs us dis disturbs God even more. Whatever grieves us grieves God even more. We look at the cross, whatever we feel, God feels even more. And ultimately, we may cry out for an answer of why. Sometimes he'll give an answer, but ultimately, he gave himself. And the band's going to play here in just a moment. And this is a reflective song. And I want each of you who believes in Christ to take the communion elements there in your seat pockets. And if you're down front, they are in front of you, just down by your feet. I don't want you to like just rush and peel back and take. I want you to meditate on, the, on what am I going to do? How am I going to trust God in the midst of my suffering?
We may not understand pain and suffering. It may seem irrational, unjust, unloving. And trying to understand it is like trying to understand the ocean by taking a little thimble of water from the ocean. We'll never fully understand it. And I just pray for each one of us that we would do as we just sang, that I will run to where I belong, and that is into the arms of Jesus as he will guide us through it. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for your son, and we trust, or we try to trust, and help us to trust even more what you said, Jesus. In this world, there will be suffering, but take heart. I have overcome the world, and you are always present. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.